Hello and welcome to another episode of The Godly Grunts, where we train soldiers to be better Christians and Christians to be better soldiers. I am your host, John Cooper, and I'm excited to release part two of our interview with Chaplain Bryant of the 914th Air Refueling Wing here in Niagara Falls, New York. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about the challenges of being a military chaplain, some of which were discussed in the previous episode, but also uh, going to discuss what does a healthy relationship look like between the local church and the chaplain corps. And so um, it was a really good interview at the end. We're going to have some exciting announcements of the future of the Godly Grunt podcast. And so um, it, stay tuned to the end. And I hope, uh, again, this is edifying to your faith. And uh, really, if you're a, if you're a pastor, um, of a local church near a military installation, uh, please reach out to me and I can get you in touch with Chaplain Bryant, reach out to us. Um, and we're going to hopefully strategize some effective ways. Uh, both Chaplain Bryant and I have experience as ministers outside of military installations, myself for drum, and now the Niagara Falls Air Reserve Station. And then Chaplain Bryant was outside of Fort Bragg, um, which he's going to explain uh, during the episode. And so just some things that we we did, we saw, um, and that, that way you can be an effective minister uh, to the military organizations near you, whether that is Army, Navy, Air Force, uh, Space Force. I don't know if they have their own installations yet. Uh, Marines. All the good, all the goodies. <laughs> so um, I hope you enjoy this episode. And uh, again, the link for his books, uh, he's written two books on prayer, are in the uh, description in the um, on social media. So go to Facebook, go to uh, Instagram, and you can click on the link to his Amazon profile where both of his books are on there. And it's a book on the theology of prayer from Andrew Fuller. Uh, and the other one is the, is 15 days to a better prayer life. Um, it's a kind of like a devotional book. So encourage you to get those support him. Um, and, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, without further ado, here's part two. Any other challenges you've seen that we haven't talked about in the, uh, chaplain corps? You know, I, I do think, I mean, we've been, we've addressed a lot of the challenges. I think the challenge that you pose of, 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 uh, you know, how do you stand on the truth? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, for, for me, it's continually going back to the word of God and not losing those distinctives. Right. And, yeah. and trying to give a unique opportunity to do something in the chaplain corps that a lot of people are afraid of don't want to hmm. do now, which is to be able to disagree. Yeah. Um, and, and thankfully I've had great models of that. Even I would say of the, um, folks have supervised me where mm -hmm. I've had supervisors that think I'm totally wrong on some of the distinctives I hold to and yet they've done nothing but try and encourage and, yeah. and be supportive uh, knowing that, Hey, you know what? Um, my, we have some disagreements, um, but I'm not going to try and sabotage your career. Mm. Now I've typed to some chaplains who, and they have a disagreement with their supervisor and their supervisor thinks that you ought to be believing this way. And boy, <laughs> they're doing everything they can to sabotage it. And mm. uh, I've seen some of those work out for their, uh, good, the Lord protected them. And I've seen some of them, you know, uh, just like he says in the book of Hebrews, uh, by faith, we're torn asunder. Uh, <laughs> they they yeah. were torn asunder. I mm. mean, their their career was harmed uh, mm. because of those differences. So, I mean, uh, you're going to always have people that you disagree with. Yeah. Um, but being free and open to be able to talk about some of those things, share those things, uh, you know, I, you know, for me, it's just trying to, to share uh, what does God's word say? Well, what's Matthew Bryant think in a counseling mm -hmm. environment? You know, what's God's word say to this? Um, and and trusting the Lord to protect yeah. and, and defend, right? He's he's a king and he's going to rule over me. So his word rules how I'm going to govern and live my life. Uh, but he's also the king, so he's going to defend me too, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the kingship of Christ in my career, right? Because mm. uh, I work for a commander, but also have Christ as my King. Yeah. Uh, also have Liberty Baptist fellowship, but, <laughs> but ultimately Christ is King over both of those things. Yeah. Christ is King over Liberty Baptist fellowship. Christ is King over any commander I may serve. Mm. Uh, and I'll, 
answer to Christ ultimately. So that's the trusting in him to defend. Mm. Um, it, it, it That answers the challenges, right? And, and there's probably a lot of challenges we even haven't addressed, but because chaplaincy just is a unique you know, field uh, of ministry that's distinct from pastoral ministry. Um, and, uh, you know, I've heard pastors even say uh, at different conferences, you know, talking about chaplains, these chaplains over here, they're not chaplains, they're pastors. And I think they're saying that in the sense of like, sort of like elevate, welcome them, yeah. elevating them to like, like chaplaincy is somehow this like downgraded pastoral ministry. And I would just say it's not downgraded pastoral ministry. It's different. It's yeah. not pastoral ministry. Um, can you be a pastor in the sense of the, she- like I said, the distinction of understanding, it. Are you, am I shepherding? Mm. The sense of the word of a shepherd, a pastor being a shepherd, you absolutely can and will shepherd yeah. your flock. Um, that shepherding will look different probably for a lot of different people, depending <laughs> on whether that person is a Baptist mm. and, or they're an Anglican. Yeah. Um, and and so that's where it's going to look totally different. Um, and, and your context is, is not that of a pastor. Uh, you know, for me as a Baptist, they didn't uh, vote to, to have me be their chaplain. <laughs> Good night. You know, there, there yeah. wasn't, there wasn't a consensus, you know, and uh, there wasn't a potluck afterward. <laughs> uh, we, we did meet at the fuzzy bison. There was a there there was a meeting for wings and, and beer yeah. afterwards. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. So yeah, no potluck that closed it out. I mean, I do think um one of the one of the contexts that's helped me in chaplaincy, I did want to share this, is that I think the the biblical model that I have for chaplaincy, what has kind of helped me through um some people have described chaplaincy as sort of cross-cultural ministry. Uh, hmm. I've seen that as a, a, a comparison. Um, and I remember actually uh, being on a, uh, a trip in Morocco and uh, thinking, reflecting on this, because I was on a trip, we were doing uh, uh, ministry amongst Muslim uh, uh, people groups in Morocco. Uh, and uh, we we're visiting, actually visited a pastor there. And the pastor, and this was, the, the church was like three or four people, right? Hmm. Uh, his wife and one other convert. Yeah. And like, and like, you know, and that was the beginning of the church, right? For them, uh, that pastor actually got arrested after meeting with us, you know, hmm. talking about freedom of, you know, religion that we take for granted and don't yeah. actually use. Uh, he, he, you know, he just met with a bunch of Westerners who were there as, uh, under the guise of being students and gets arrested, uh, has to go in jail for a week just for meeting with us. Right. So, mm. um, you know, th- I remember thinking on that and the the fact that man, I get the, to freely go in as a chaplain and represent Christ. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of cross-cultural, right? You and I have a different uh, lexicon because you're a soldier. And I don't understand some of the uh, soldier speak. Uh, uh, me grab gun, yeah. me go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 the joke on the Air Force side is that, you know, when people talk about joint, what they're really saying is army, yeah. right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, you know, how do you spell joint? That's the big rage for those, you know, it's a, you know joint, 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 you know, everything's joint forces. Well, it's really... A R E M Y, A R M Y, you know, it's army. Yeah, that's that's joint. Uh, so, um, you know, for the Air Force perspective, it's different, right? You learn joint, you have to learn army. Uh, but you know, uh, but the lexicon that you and I have is different than civilian mm-hmm. life. You know, there's a there's a way of speaking, there's a way of dressing, there's a different culture yes. in of itself, and so it's, it's it, and and just like any good missionary goes in, they don't go in and say, now you you know, if an American goes over to uh, another uh, people group in a, in a distant land, they don't say, hey, to become a Christian, you first must learn English, uh, uh, dress like me, uh, talk like me, <laughs> to meet Christ. No, mm-hmm. no, you can go in meet somebody and you know what their uniform can stay the same mm-hmm. uh and uh you know they're they're uh you know sometimes the way of talking can stay the same <laughs> it, it might Some of it. <laughs> it, it it might alarm people in the deacons meeting uh, uh <laughs> if the language stays the same but but nonetheless yeah. it, you do have to learn it that I can tell you my counseling sessions as a pastor have gone a lot different and sounded a lot different than my counseling <laughs> sessions as a chaplain, uh, because the, the, the words that people use are different and mm-hmm. the words they understand are different. And, and so it's a different culture. It's, uh, and, uh, that would be maybe a right use of becoming all things to all people, yeah. um, uh, of the Macedonian call, right. To, mm-hmm. um, identify as an airman, 
I am an airman, right? So that's that's a big piece of, you know, it's not my central identity. My central mm-hmm. identity is in Christ. Um, but but it is I've put on yeah. that uh, moniker. I've put on that identity of airman. Um, March 18, 2011, right? That's when I joined. I became an airman on that day, mm-hmm. right? And to reach airmen. So that hmm. that that has been a big piece of that call, and and sometimes our calling is willing, sometimes it's not, right? Sometimes you become something and you're not, you're not unwillingly, you know. I think about some of the missionary efforts that happened. Uh, I think in the 16th, 17th century, where mm-hmm. uh, people were willingly taken to slaves, surrendering themselves to slaves to go uh, reach those other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I think about Daniel in Scripture. Daniel was taken uh, uh, along with his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and that's sort of been the biblical model for me. Yeah. That helps me think through what does it look like to stand for the truth, but also be a faithful servant to the king. Because uh, you know, uh, while the commander doesn't go by the title of king or queen, um, he is. It, they they really are right. Actually, yeah. in the Air Force, we call them the wing king or the wing queen, mm-hmm. right? If, if they're in charge of that wing, uh, and and that's basically their sovereign land. Whatever happens on that base happens at their behest, right? It is yeah. they're in charge of that territory. Well, I have to faithfully serve uh, the Nebuchadnezzar of that land. Hmm. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faithful, get this, advisors. And and I have one of the few job descriptions that actually says my job is to give advice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a scary thing. Uh, it's scary, but it's, ama- <laughs> it's amazing, too, because it's like, what other what other pastor out there is having a governing authority come to them and say, counsel this young man yeah, or young woman, here you go. Or even say, hey, chaps, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, how, how many business leaders are coming to you uh, Monday through Friday as a pastor saying, hey, well, what do you think I should do about um, this situation? Here's a moral ethical concern I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, or was a concern that my people are having or, uh, you know, and this is where even you see it, 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 enterprises and industries actually having civilian chaplaincies because mm-hmm. uh, they see the wisdom of, oh, it's it's really nice to actually have somebody out there that the people trust. Because um, yeah. if you're a boss, your people are lying to you. <laughs> and, and they yeah. and if you don't know that you're probably not a good boss yeah. you don't really you, yeah they're not telling you the truth right mm. so uh but people are going to tell the chapel the truth and you can give uh perspective mm. to that commander and so you know daniel has been that that great uh example or model for me of what does it look like to faithfully serve the state yeah even when that state and and, and i don't get me wrong I'm not saying carte blanche, like America's wicked, mm-hmm. uh, but we're not trending in a great direction, right? We've, you know, uh, yeah. industrialized the murder of babies in our country. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, uh, we're, we're, have long been falling in the wrong direction as it relates to um, submitting to God's revealed will in scripture. We've long left our point of departure um, that we began with as a founding. And so how do you serve in a land faithfully? When that land is not honoring God's word, mm-hmm. not submitting itself, uh, that's a problem and a question that Daniel dealt with mm-hmm. throughout his uh, air quotes here career, yeah. if you will, um, as an advisor, as a as a as a regent mm-hmm. uh, to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, you know, and, and also I think you guys as chaplains are a stop for atrocities. Yeah. And so I mean, I go to First Samuel fifteen. Um, I'm not I'm not saying by any means that Abigail um, was a, a chaplain or a minister or anything like that. She's just a wise woman. Right. Um, however, uh, she trying to find that that exact verse. But. Uh, yes. Yeah, so anyways, the, you know, David's out there. He's he's like he's milt he's gun for hire right yeah just doing doing the most awesome thing ever and just gun for hire and he protects nabal's flock goes for some uh for his reward for doing so which you know when i the study i've done on this passage because i was i was doing a study just to see i was i was offered an opportunity to do some contracting and uh i was trying to think kind of can a Christian be a mercenary? Um, which may be something that would be fun to talk about in the future. But um, so I was studying this passage because it's like this is kind of where do we see this, right? And um basically Nabal says, I ain't paying you. I know you I know yeah. you I know you did this. So 
David just tells all his soldiers, put on your sword, like, or he leaves some behind with the gear in the, in the rear of the gear. But he basically tells all of his uh, soldiers to get up, strap on your sword, and we're just going to go slaughter everyone. It's not just we're going to kill Nabal and or we're going to scare him. We're going to kill every single person and or every male. And so um, Abigail wisely intercedes for her wretched husband. And she says to David, like, you know, basically what what are you doing <laughs> right like this, you're supposed to be this godly king we've all been waiting for and you're on the run from Saul who's an ungodly king and yet you know you're about to go do something that's going to affect the rest of your kingship and we look at when David sinned with Bathsheba it affected the rest of his kingship and the kingdom right right and in verse 28 uh, she says uh, please forgive the transgression of your maidservant for Yahweh will certainly make for my lord an enduring house because my Lord is fighting the battles of Yahweh and evil will not be found in, <clears throat> in you all your days. And so uh, she comes in front of him and says, fight the battles of the Lord. Like this is not the battle of the Lord. Right. And, and it's I not think, just, right? and you have, that's, that is a, a picture um, of, you know, of what a chaplain should be doing. And, you know, think about what, it, you know, now obviously you look at the melee massacre in Vietnam. I mean, the, the, how much information a chaplain would have had that that was going on is probably slim to none. Um, However, if he had, if a chaplain was there to intercede and say, whoa, you're about to murder an entire village. This doesn't make sense. Everyone in that village is, uh, is Viet Cong. Everyone, the women and children, like, and a chaplain is detached enough and, and should be centered in the word of God to be able to advise that commander and say, this is not fighting the Lord's battles. Right. And you're in that unique position that uh, you know a christian a christian lieutenant though he can say no i'm not doing this because you know i'm not leading a patrol to go kill a bunch of innocents um he's but he's not in a position to advise that commander he works i mean you work for the commander too but he works for the commander in a do as i say not as i do rule where you're detached you're like the chaplain's you know the wild card like he you know <laughs> so, so yeah for yeah. good or worse uh yeah, yeah for better yeah, or worse yeah that's, yeah, yeah. That, and that's so true because that's and that's what you bring up there's a good point as far as a key distinction that what it makes a chaplain distinct from you know i said him you know earlier dual head in the sense of military i'm a fully fledged airman officer in the united states air force but also a non-combatant in that role mm-hmm. uh and so so detached and not caught up into okay what's the best way to kill this village yeah because that's what a warfighter needs to think about yeah right um and if they don't they're probably going to let their their fellow uh soldiers or airmen down right because they have to think in terms of lethality they have to think in those terms and chaplains need to be schooled enough in terms of thinking that way so that they are able to understand the fellow warfighters because my job is to support you to be more lethal right Mm -hmm. My job as a chaplain is to, I mean, that came in loud and clear as a second lieutenant while I was working, uh, doing one of my candidate tours at uh, Bomb Wing. And uh, the commanders had everybody there. And I can't remember what happened. Somebody had a DUI or something like that. So all it was an officer all call. And uh, everybody standing at attention, base movie theater, which is in the stood at attention the whole time <laughs> and it was like oh man we're not sitting down no no no, no as you were and it was just uh and it was you know but it was basically like you know reorienting everybody and i remember hearing that call from the commander of everyone here is 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 here to drop bombs on bad guys mm. uh and, and i would say to include the chaplain right yeah. the chaplain is there to make sure that that maintainer that uh you know force support squadron member that's you know cooking the meals or doing the finance or doing whatever support element mm-hmm. there is the, the security forces that are defending the planes right the pilots that are flying them the bomb deer that's yeah. actually loading the bombs right and th- that chaplain is there to make sure they're more ready to be lethal mm-hmm. right so you're you're enabling bombs to be dropped on bad guys yeah. and if you're not okay with this chaplain uh you're in the wrong field mm-hmm. uh, because you're there to make warfighters more lethal, uh, but you're not going to be the trigger puller yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And you've got to be that detached so that you can think differently mm-hmm. um, so that you are thinking about the other second, third order consequences of if we do this, I'm thinking about what's the moral implication. Here, yeah. Right. Not can I do this? Should I do it? Yeah. And uh, not many people are, are, are thinking that way. 
because they're thinking they are thinking about how to do it right that's what they have to do and then sometimes we get so wrapped up in the how to that like you said we don't we don't go into the should i should i should i like yeah yeah, we could we could Mm. send that bullet through here we could drop that bomb on Mm. this place and you know and this is what makes our military as the united states of america so much different than historically a lot of the armies in the world yeah and you know when you have a dominant force like we've been since world war ii you know we've been the dominant force after winning that war um in the world and we've to our best of our abilities with some failures along the way but tried always to be a moral standard of war fighting fighting wars in a godly way um which is something that you don't even if the person fighting the war isn't godly himself he's governed by a godly principle of fighting wars we're not going to there's a reason why when the melee massacre happened it wasn't just like another tick mark in the vietnam war of like this is how we fight wars though the vietnam war is sometimes portrayed that way that's not that was not happening all over the place people were fighting wars in a in a righteous way trying to defend the it's it's not you know we you know you fought wars you've seen terrible things that you've seen civilians die i you know I've seen it, right? It's not good. You've had to have little kids in your optics that are carrying weapons or they might have a bomb and you got to be ready to engage them at any time. And it it does degrade a sense of morality in you when you have to go through that. However, that's not our normal SOP, right? The Taliban, their normal SOP is to put bombs in their children's backpack and send them to go say hello to the soldiers while they detonate it and to kill their own children. Right. So that way they can kill five soldiers. The American army does goes to lengths, even at risk of their own lives, to protect innocents. And that right. is focused, in my opinion, that's focused around the fact that we have a righteous advisor <laughs> who's not going to allow that commander to just that or that platoon leader to get away with trying to do some war crime atrocity. He's going his job is to stop that from happening and advise the commander that this is not the way to go about it. Yeah. And and probably an encouragement to anybody that's listening that is like currently um, a supervisor, uh, you know, whether it be uh, on the enlisted or officer side. If you have a chaplain, remember also to be a Berea in yourself, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I think one of the questions I don't know if I directly answer you initially asked about, you know, is this pa- this a chaplain going to be my local church pastor or like my mm-hmm. pastor at home? Is the answer maybe no, right? If you yeah. went to a good Bible believing church, you might not have a Bible believing chaplain. Yeah. Uh, there's a good chance you might not, right? There's a good chance that that they don't believe the Bible um, and they'll preach a sermon from Robert Frost, um, not from uh, you know text of scripture, and, and mm-hmm. or if they use scripture, it might be as a launching point not as a um it's Anger. not going to be yeah yeah it's not going to be the thing they're working through the text they're not preaching the text mm-hmm. it's just a point of departure for them to what they want to you know speak on or hobby horse or they might misrepresent the text so you have to be bereans right there if you're mm-hmm. believers in the service you can't just take a chaplain's advice as oh chaplain said this, this is probably the way to go um because you have to be discerning yourself so you got to go to the word yourself yeah uh, as well and be a discerning berean to challenge to see is what they're saying, you know, mm. true, right? And if the Brians did that for uh, the apostle uh, Paul coming to them, and then, then you know, certainly uh, there needs to be Brians out there challenging what is yeah. Matthew Bright saying, uh, what uh, was Chaplain, you fill in the blank, uh, Chaplain Tentpeg, you know, mm-hmm. out there that's what, what is he saying? Uh, yeah. you, know, you you can't just take a chaplain's word for it, right? And, and that's where I would say, sending people to local churches is the, yeah. is one of the most vital things to do, right? I was going to say, that's a transition to our, our next thing. Yeah. Is, is what what should that relationship look like for the uh, Niagara Reserve Station and one of the local churches here or, you know, Fort Drum, you know, Triple Deuce's chaplain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Parkside Bible Church outside of the, outside of the base. Yeah. So, I mean, I could say probably, um, I'd probably speak to the Fort Drum piece a little bit easier, even than what does it look like as a 
you know, air, air reserve station, right? Mm-hmm. Because of how much our population fluctuates, yeah. right? On a two days a month, right? A lot of these people that come here, they're, I'm not going to be connecting them with the local church in Niagara Falls. In Niagara Falls, I'm not mm-hmm. going to. Um, now, there's a lot of people that are local, and my job is to try and help connect them with a local church. Yeah. yeah. Um, but a lot of these people, I mean, we got people that come from Erie, Pennsylvania, people yeah. that come from Cleveland, Ohio, you know, we've got people that come from all over this broad region to drill two days. Well, my job's not going to be connecting with church in a local area. It's making sure they connect with church back home. Uh, so that looks a lot different. But if you're in Fort Drum and you're like a local church outside of Fort Drum. Uh, Shout out to Parkside Bible Church. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, uh, you definitely want to try and I think develop a relationship with and pray for uh, persons of peace, right? You know, finding mm-hmm. a chaplain who loves Jesus, teaches the Bible, uh, that's their his authority and where he he you know his launching you know point from his ministry is God's word. You want to meet that chaplain, you want to try and connect and see what how you can support them. One of the ways we did that in Fort Bragg uh, at our church was we adopted um, a, a battalion. You know, we couldn't mm-hmm. adopt a brigade that's like way bigger than we probably any local church can probably yeah. take on, especially if you're trying to do something new, right? If you're trying to practically think about how can I support, um, you know. Uh, Fort Drum, right? It's meeting maybe a battalion chaplain uh, and offering up, how can we, you know, help you provide Mm. ministry to your soldiers that maybe you can't do on your own, right? We did a marriage retreat uh, essentially out of our church. Um, especially with funds going. Right, on. right. Yeah, especially with funds <laughs> going the way they are. Uh, personnel, you know, you might be the sole chaplain. There might be a chaplain and a chaplain assistant, you know, that's there uh, that represents you. And so you can go ahead and, you know, say, hey, chaps, can can we do a uh, marriage retreat? Can we do something to help provide uh, a service for you? So there's a lot of opportunities there to do uh, ministry. But I think it starts with just praying and asking God to, to uh, provide those persons of peace, you know, the, who's that chaplain or, uh, you know, maybe that leader that's in in that, um, you know, whatever element or size element. Yeah, for Air Force, it's, you know, squadron, you know, would probably be the biggest I would go for adopting something. But Air, Air Force chaplains are structured a lot differently. Like I'm the chaplain for the whole wing um, uh, Monday through Friday. And then a chapel team comes in. But, you know, if you're at a, outside a full-time Army installation like Fort Drum, there's going to be a battalion chaplain that you can connect with. Um, I did a prayer breakfast for a battalion and that we adopted and, uh, you know, just, just as an opportunity. And then I went and did PT with them. Now, some of that's because I'm an ID carrying, uh, you know, reserve chaplain. And so it gave me an opportunity to get on uh, post and go do PT to build a relationship. But if that's not you, it doesn't mean that you can't build a relationship. It doesn't mean that they can't sponsor you onto the installation. Uh, it doesn't mean they can't, you know, come meet you and uh, grab breakfast and you can find out how you can encourage them. Um, one of the things that was a great connection point was just simply having uh, that chaplain coming to our Thursday night service that we were providing. And from that chaplain attending our service, he was able to tell people, yeah, go to this church, come with me. Uh, and so he was able to invite uh, soldiers from his uh, battalion to come to church with him um, because it was in, in and so there wasn't a church he was inviting people to uh, a chapel service on the base. Uh, there was chapels uh, there on Fort Bragg, a lot of chapels, yeah. uh, but he was able to connect people to a local church. And, uh, and from that, you know, you really just, uh, like I said, it, it can be as simple as that, right? It can be as simple as, do you have a chaplain that's attending your church? Um, have you offered up, you know, Hey, how can we be praying for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any ministry needs or things we can help support you on? Uh, how did you did you find it, or would you suggest that those local pastors become guard chaplains so that way they can have, or reserve chaplains so that way they can have that impact? Or do you think it's something that was just kind of like icing on the cake, not the cake itself? Yeah, no, I think it's icing on the cake, not the cake itself. I don't think that that you have to uh, become that. Matter of fact, I, uh, my experience here was that there was a lot of soldiers that wanted friendships that weren't other soldiers yes. amen they they, they <laughs> wanted to come to your local church to meet other believers that weren't soldiers they wanted a break from uh being you know private sergeant whatever it may be you know um i've lo- seen i've had people that came to my church who went to pray to rest for me in church because that's what they were used to <laughs> yeah and it's like all right you know it's and it takes it takes some getting yeah. used to because when so when i got out I was a minister of military ministry at uh, Parkside Bible Church, which is why I mentioned it. 
you know, and I'll just continue mentioning it to give them some uh, shout out. There you go. <laughs> but uh, when I was doing that, it was interesting because it was like I wasn't paid. I was going to seminary online and it was my job. And this is kind of where we started talking when we met when I was still up there. Yeah. It was my job to try to figure out the most effective way to reach out to um, soldiers. I wasn't a card carrier anymore. I didn't have access to the base anymore because I was out. However, I still had the connections. I had the experience um, as, you know, as a guy at Triple Deuce, the unit I was in. And um, it was a really neat opportunity because it was like, because again, you're, you're so used to when you're not in the military, you just think the chaplain handles all the ministry. And there weren't many local churches trying to make that I saw trying to make inroads into the base. It was, we're going to minister to those who come to us from the base and become part of our local church family. And they're going to leave in three years, which is another thing we we could spend hours talking about the challenges of a church outside of military installation. Yeah, though you're, you're what a lot of churches envy and the fact that you're, uh, your population is a lot younger, able-bodied people. Yeah. And, and there's not a lot of gray hairs. Yeah. And but they'll be gone soon. But however, they rotate every three years. And so you can't really, you're not building uh, or you don't feel like it is a burnout, right? Every three years we're getting new people in our church. Church looks different every three years. There's a, a level of burnout that happens in that church. And so a lot of churches I saw, and even in our church, there was a little bit of a callous towards wanting to make those inroads because it was like how many friends have we made that just they left after right. three years because this is, this is what the army does right they leave and so there was a lot of challenges you know there's challenges for the church but there's also challenges for those soldiers because they're also making friendships and they're leaving every three years right, right. so it, it's it's hard but i think that you know saying like just for instance what we did is we did staff duty outreaches and we would, you know, make hot dogs or bake cookies or stab duties always there. It's 24 mm-hmm. seven. So we had a guy in our small group who got on post who was still in the military and he got us on. Cause that's the one nice thing about having a church outside of the installation. You as the pastor may not be able to get on, but you will, if you go with, you know, someone else is that easy. Right. And so we would hand out cookies, hot chocolate, hot dogs, whatever it was to people. And we got to pray with them. If they need a prayer, we asked them, you would, you know, do you mind if we pray for you? Uh, or it was just simply handing them the hot dog and having a conversation We're from Barkside Bible Church. And we did have a couple of people come to, to our church because of that, which was good. But it's a uh, it's a, being a pastor. I, I, I feel like outside of a military installation is just such a unique opportunity because not only are you ministering to the people you have for that time, you're also helping them. If you have a, a proper understanding of the military you're helping them be better and more effective ministers on their deployment to their soldiers. And also you're training them to go back to the next installation and further the kingdom there when they're at Fort Campbell versus Fort Drum. No, and I, I think a text you could go to, to try and say, you're hundred percent correct. The, the problem that presents, if you will, of, or the challenge and how that can become an opportunity uh, for your, your ministry um, the way we phrased it um, at, at Village Baptist Church in, in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, was our our sending capacity, not our seating mm-hmm. capacity. Yeah, you know, I as a church, that's what you, you yeah. know. Um, and so, uh, trying to help people catch a vision for the sending capacity of your church, not the seating capacity, because you're right. Outside of military installation, good luck trying to grow <laughs> numerically, because um, mm-hmm. that no, that numeric growth is not exponential. Yeah, because if you are reaching out to those soldiers, which I hope you are. They're going to be moving on, but you get a chance to send them. And, and if you read the New Testament, and I was thinking of Acts, actually, when you're talking about that challenge or that problem and how even in, in Acts chapter 20, you know, Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders and there's, uh, you know, it says, um, you know, there, there, there was there was tears, right, when they're sending, you know, Paul's leaving. <laughs> um, but Paul's ministry didn't end. Now, it eventually ended. Uh, it did end. <laughs> it did end, but it didn't end right there. It didn't end right there, right? And so um there's technically it hasn't ended yeah 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but but when you think about sending people out yeah you know there's an opportunity i learned that from mm-hmm. actually not a military installation church i learned that from my church down in new orleans um when we were there uh going through seminary uh a a seminary or college uh 
church, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a church near a college town is going to have the same problem. If you're reaching those college students, guess what? Yeah. Those people are going to be gone in four years. That's if you met them freshman year. Good luck. Mm -hmm. That's if you met them freshman year. Yeah. And they're going to be moving on. So this seminary uh, church and, and, and it was Edgewater Baptist Church down in New Orleans in Gentilly. Um, every time someone would leave, it was a sending out Sunday. Hmm. <laughs> and so the the leaders of that church would come and lay hands on the family that was getting sent out, pray over them and send them out. And so hmm. we started making a habit of that at Riley Road uh, uh, in, when we were at Village Baptist Church there in, uh, for Riley Road. And we would pray over and send out soldiers hmm. That we're going on to a new assignment. So if they're members of our church and they're getting, you know, yeah, I remember uh, one family getting reassigned and going up to a um, service station at, at West Point, right? So it's like, hey, you're going to go teach up at West Point. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, we'd love to pray over you and send you out. Rather than just going, hey, it's so sad, yeah, you know, because um, we can do that, right? We can bellyache mm -hmm. and bemoan that. But obviously it's the Lord's will that that person go there. Because mm -hmm. um, if kings are like rivers in the hands of the Lord. He's mm -hmm. going to direct them wherever he wants. Yeah, surely the assignment of yeah. some army officer is also equally in the hands of the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is just, you know, it's a great opportunity to think about we're sending you on. And so, yeah, we can disciple you at whatever stage you're at. Right. And, uh, and hopefully send you out, you know, more in love with God, mm -hmm. um, more rooted in scripture onto the next assignment where you're going to go be a missionary there yeah, and help them connect with the church there. Right. And give them that frame of mind of, okay, it's not just something you, you, uh, sure. There may be weeping, but you're going to send them out, you know, in prayer and blessing. So, uh, so what's the first steps? So I'm a, a pastor in Watertown, New York. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm saying, you know what, I'm listening to this or, you know, or Fayetteville, North Carolina, yeah. you know, wherever it is. And I, I'm listening to this and I'm saying, all right, I want to reach out to, this, you know, this part of my town that's always in constant flux. We never know when they're actually going to be here, but they have families. They have uh, needs themselves. Um, they're, they're coming into my church. How do I, how do I make an inroad? What was my first step in making that inroad into uh, Fort Drum? Uh, first step is to remember you don't have the market cornered on every spiritual gift in your church. You know, <laughs> you're the pastor. Um and it doesn't all fall on you. Um, uh, that's um, that's something I would say. I mean, I, I I would say that that remembering that is key because because you probably have a retiree um, that's there and and uh, and is able to probably handle this. Uh, so I'll give you the experience I had in North Carolina. Uh, even though I was in a DoD ID carrier and could get on the installation and say, yeah, mm. take this thing on. Um, uh, Drew Ziegler uh, was retired lieutenant colonel. Um, and guess what? He led the military ministry. Was I over top of it? Absolutely. Uh, the church gave that to me as my responsibility, but he was running it before I got there. And guess what? While I was there, he was still running it. And now that I'm gone, uh, I believe he's still running it as well. And so, you know, I, I uh, was responsible for it. Uh, but remember, there's probably a retiree that's right there in your church congregation who's more than capable because the military's already trained them to be a leader. Um, of taking on some sort of a mission, uh, all you probably have to do is point them in the right direction and they'll be able to probably take it from there of what is it you're trying to accomplish um, and, and and give them some sort of an end state of, hey, we'd like to try and reach out to soldiers. We're not sure how to do it. What do you think? Um, yeah. uh, here's some of the things we've thought about, but there's probably a retiree that you need to sit down and talk with in your church uh, because it's not some venture. You, if you're a pastor outside of a uh, military installation, it's not a venture that you need to necessarily say, okay, I'm going to take this on myself right now. I'm going to mm. be the military. You've, you've already got to do the ministry of the word <laughs> and the ministry of prayer for your entire congregation that you're over. So the Lord's already given you that ministry, but what's the ministry that somebody else in your church can take up? Yeah. Um, so I would think, think of in those terms um, of who's there already in your church that can probably come alongside of you. They probably need some vision. They probably need some uh, direction yeah. or I, I hate to even say it this way, permission, because I don't think you ever need permission to do the right thing. But, you know, maybe in some ways they feel like maybe they need permission uh, to to do this. Right. Hey, would you have you ever thought about doing this as, a, as an arm or a branch mm -hmm. of our ministry of, you know, X, Y and Z local church or First Baptist Church? Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity there. Um, like I said, I give 
shout out to Drew Ziegler who who led that ministry at, at Fayetteville and did a great job at Village Baptist Church. He started it and you know was running with it and mm. and all I did was come in and give maybe a little bit of different direction as it related to adopting let's adopt a yeah. battalion versus just kind of doing ministry in all sorts of different directions. Let's maybe mm. let's focus on a group. Um, and I think too, you can ask your soldiers who their chaplain is, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like that, you know, you talk about step number one, one, is yeah. like find that one soldier who's coming to, to your Bible studies, he's going to your prayer meetings, whatever it is. Yeah. And and that, that retiree knows how to figure that yeah. out too. Right. Yeah. If you don't know what to do, that retiree, yeah. they probably know how to figure this out. Yeah. Right. They can probably think through, and they're great problem mm. problem solvers, right? They're, yeah. they're, they're, you probably can, just like I said, almost give them some vision and then get out the way. Uh, and, and it mm. doesn't have to look the same at one church, just because, you know, Village Baptist mm. Church did military ministry this way and yeah. said, hey, can we, you know, you know, do uh, like a marriage weekend for you guys, mm. you know? And so we did that. And we host, it doesn't mean that that's what you should do. Yeah. And that was really, a honestly, that was a bridge. We didn't, uh, we did that as a bridge to build more relationships. And mm-hmm. uh, then we saw many of those uh, people that attended come, come back and join us for church mm-hmm. and join our church congregation. So, you know, you just, uh, that was a, basically a, a gateway opportunity for us to build a relationship with more soldiers and meet a need, right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in their life, which is to invest in their marriage. Uh, and so, you know, that's it. Like I said, it doesn't, I can't, it's hard to say, but the first step I think is, yeah, you can either talk to those soldiers that are there. Who's your chaplain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll let you know the quality of their chaplain real quick. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, talk to him yeah. or, uh, or, uh, yeah, yeah. Chaplain. So, so he's good to get a good guy or they, if they show face and you'll, you'll get an idea right there. But he, um, even if the chaplain's not that good, I mean, they can still be a connecting they point. Can still, that's that soldier is the one who is because the chaplain is is excited to have a conversation. I can assume excited to have a conversation with a soldier that's not, you know, I'm about to kill myself or, you know, I just got I just popped out on a P test. How do I get out of this? And <laughs> yeah. so and so uh, that chaplain, if you said to him, you know, hey, I go to such and such church outside and they want to adopt our battalion or maybe started a platoon level or a company they want to adopt our company yeah and they don't know what to do but they want to help you in your ministry absolutely uh, here even if the guy's you know catholic right you can still say would you be willing to meet my pastor just to have lunch and just so we can figure out how they can better because that chaplain knows he's leaving in three years if he's just there or maybe it's halfway through and he's like, I'm going to be gone. Yeah. And someone else is going to be the chaplain here, but you can build that long lasting relationship. Absolutely. You can be the start to that, you know, building that relationship with that local church, even if you disagree with them, you know, that's, that's step one. I mean, obviously you want to be discerning, (laughs) right? You don't want, you know, the, uh, you know, the Christian scientists to adopt your, uh, <laughs> your platoon uh, in your, you, cause you got to shepherd that flock. Yeah. However, if it's like you said before, you know, if it's Presbyterian church where we disagree on sprinkling babies and that's where we, that's pretty much it. Right. Then you're like, okay, well, how do I, how do I build this relationship? And how is a chaplain of you met pastors, I guess is maybe this, cause I don't, Cause you know, I'm, I'm a local pastor now and, uh, in an intern level, but still, I don't really see like meetings of the pastors where like maybe different towns do different things, but you know, there's really no like, Hey, the pastors all get together and have a breakfast once a month just to talk about how their ministries are going. You don't see that really around here. Or if it is happening, I've never been invited. So yeah, yeah. they don't want me there. <laughs> I'd say the pastors I've met in a local area have come from either I already knew them because of uh just different connections and just mm. how God's providence of uh meeting these people in different areas and different times in my life. Uh but also uh from just attending different churches as a chaplain, yeah. right? How I've mm. met other pastors, you know, it's like, hey, we're trying to find a church for my family. And yep. you just meet different pastors or or um different events and things like that, but not every chaplain's going to have the time or the bandwidth. Yeah. Um, for me, what's unique about me, the, the situation I'm in is I'm not leading a service on a Sunday uh, because I don't have an on-base population mm. um, Monday through Friday. Uh, we don't have, we don't have like, you know, barracks. We don't have uh, soldiers in a dorm. Right. Mm. And that would be, a, if we did, I'd be leading service on Sunday, yeah. um, but because we don't have barracks, we don't have on-base lodging. Um, it, it, I don't lead a service on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 
it's a unique challenge to meet chaplains uh, because of that chaplain may be providing ministry to a couple hundred soldiers, right? And their family members. Oh, and also, by the way, the uh, garrison chaplain said you're in charge of the, you know, Woodward Chapel and, <laughs> uh, and, and, and they're yeah. leading a service uh, and trying to figure out how to run a church, right? Uh, even though it's not a church, it's a chapel, but they're trying to run a chapel, mm-hmm. organize a worship team, lead yeah. a service. And by the way, you know, chapel uh, unit. commander wants you yeah. in, in for, you know, staff meeting on Monday morning, mm-hmm. uh, or you're doing PT at 0600, you know, you're, you're doing double duty sometimes mm-hmm. as a chaplain. And so the, the time of a chaplain, I think, I think that's where a church, uh, coming alongside a chaplain can be a great thing. Cause I think a chaplain would be relieved mm-hmm. to hear, like you said, Oh, you're a soldier in, in, you know, my company that's coming here, not because you're having suicide ideation. Oh, you have a you go to a church that wants to help us <laughs> tell me more yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah and, and, and then just make sure that's all and that's why i'd say is ask and find out what would be helpful mm. some people offer help uh in a, way, in, a, in a way that feels good to them right <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh we i feel some calls like that from time to time and they're great well-intended people right but hey i've got these you know giant cards that we signed uh for the soldiers i'm like well where are they going to put it <laughs> <laughs> better get yeah. how, how would you like me to get this to them mm. you you've now given me work and you know my my cup is already full yeah um so really your your kind-hearted gesture is now providing mm. more work for you know me or for somebody else and and, and you know just trying to find what's a what's something that's actually going to be helpful mm. right people donate stuff sometimes to and, and you're not supposed to donate stuff to there's only specific people are supposed to receive donations but stuff will get sent to us and you're like uh i don't need this yeah <laughs> matter of fact none of my airmen need it <laughs> it's a really nice thought but that's well what's a nice mm. so it's a talking to somebody and finding out what do you need what would be helpful mm. that's where the relationship's so key and uh honestly that would be great because then they'll be thankful that you're not creating work for them yeah uh, that chaplain you're you're actually finding out how can you relieve some pressure and, mm. and uh be able to support uh you know and that chaplain may be relieved to find a church they can send people to as well yeah well, because if you build a relationship, especially, you know, if you're a, let's say you're a Catholic chaplain and you now have this relationship with, you know, Pastor Bryant's church outside of Fort Bragg, and you have a guy who comes to you who's Protestant. You don't even care that he's Baptist. He's Protestant. Guess, and he says, I'm looking for a church, sir. Guess where you're going to send Be like, hey, I know you're a Methodist, but have you thought of this Baptist church? Because I know Pastor Bryant. I know his heart, you know, and yeah, you don't agree with, you know, father mulcahy right <laughs> like, you don't agree you don't reference it yeah, yeah you don't agree with him on gambling no <laughs> on, yeah. on a lot of things and however you've built that relationship enough because you know father mulcahy is going to be gone in two years not that you you dislike him as a person but you know he's going to be gone two years and you're going to be dealing with you know the next chaplain whatever that may, may look like but you have that long lasting relationship with the unit itself because the unit's not going anywhere unless it gets disbanded. Right. And when it's deployed, I mean, like we have a, we have a soldier in our church who is deployed or now with the guard and we sent him uh, a care package, right? Because he goes to our church and, you know, we have that connection, right? But how much better is it when you have the, uh, the connection with a company battalion, whatever it is that you can now send, care packages, things like that. We have the relationship with the chaplain to know that probably shouldn't be sending, you know, resurrection plush toys to people <laughs> or whatever it is to people. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you you know what, you know, hey, chaplain, what do you need? You have his, his nipper or sipper email where you can send those emails back and forth when he's deployed and says, hey, I need this. We got a soldier who needs this. And there's that relationship. And then when they, they, that unit gets back, like that relationship is a lot stronger too because you've supported them uh, through their deployment, whether combat or not. Uh, that yeah. they on that deployment they had your support, and so they saw you know Niagara Community Church on that box that got sent. Right, they saw the letter from you know the pastor or the little old lady who goes to the church who just has a heart uh, for people. You know, and it's just that's to me. I, I really think you know. We talk about the church big C, right? Like we need to rethink 
the way we interact with our military community. Um, I, I know a lot of people who are soldiers, and I know a lot of people who are pastors of churches. Um, and you know, they don't. Neither one of them know how to talk to each other, mm. <laughs> right? Because there is that language gap, or there's there's a fear. I mean, I tell you what, people. When I meet people at like Bible conferences and things like that, and they find out that I was a sniper in the army, I get looked at differently immediately because it's like, wow, that guy did something that I never could imagine doing, right? right? Or, and then that, that is either they don't talk to you because they feel like they're going to say something wrong by you and trigger you, which isn't true. Or they talk your ear off about things you really don't want to talk about, which is, you know, tell me about the wind calculation. And it's like, okay, I'm not really here to talk. <laughs> I'm not at, I'm not at the Sola Scriptura conference to talk about that. Right. Yeah. And so I think there needs to be a brain. We need to rethink how we interact together because the military is not going away. And the church ain't going away. Right. So we need to, instead of just, we feel good because a guy from our congregation became chaplain. He's in whatever unit over there. You have a guard unit near you. You have a reserve unit near you. You may have right. some people in your church who are in the guard or reserve. Figure out then to get in contact with you as a chaplain where maybe that relationship isn't really something that's active when we're in right. a garrison environment. But when that unit's deployed, you're going to need that support in that deployed environment, no matter where that, even if it's a training deployment for three months, it doesn't matter. You need that support because it's your job went from seeing people two times a month <laughs> to seeing people all the time. Like that's, that's a Absolutely. big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think if, if you're a church um, that is in a situation where you have a chaplain, that's also your pastor or mm. maybe just a chaplain that's in your church. Right. Mm. Um, and the reserve capacity, I think, too, thinking about in terms of sending them out on their ministry, you know, and supporting them. Uh, I think that's another thing. I've been blessed that every church I've served has seen my ministry as a chaplain as a missionary effort. Yeah. And and they bless it, encourage it, and have not hindered it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas I've known chaplains who serve as a pastor, and man, it's a love-hate because when they're gone, their church isn't very supportive of them, yeah. right? Um and uh, that's not to say that they need to be supportive of them because they are part of the military as much as they need to be supportive of them because they're going to reach yeah. soldiers and airmen and sailors with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, there couldn't be a better endeavor, right? Mm. Uh, how are you? What's your plan to reach them, right? In that deployed location or in that training environment? Uh, that's mm. one of the things that. Yeah, instead makes they Catholic see it unique. as a, a Rachel and Leah situation. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, <laughs> exactly. I never thought uh, of exactly. And, and at times you do feel like sometimes mm. it's that. And, and that's hard, right? That's mm. it's a legitimate concern, right? Because God's given you as a, as a real reserve chaplain and you're pastoring a church. That's your congregation. Uh, but hopefully you're also leading that church with other elders mm. uh, who are duly qualified, able to teach. Um, and God's uniquely equipped that body to hopefully mm-hmm. be able to carry that burden shoulder alongside of you yeah. so that you're not left. On. And that's why I say, you know, when you ask what's the first step uh, for a pastor, I, I hate to, I, I've been there where I'm a pastor mm-hmm. and somebody's got a great idea for me. You should do this ministry. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Would you like to duplicate me? Uh, and that's a yeah. wrong, that's a prideful thought, right? Mm-hmm. That, that I'm having there when I have that cynical thought, because it's thinking, oh, well, this ministry is going to get started. It's going to be on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's never that way. Yeah. Well, I had a, um, my yeah. pastor up in Watertown, uh, Pastor Mike, he always, like, I came to him with the idea of military ministry. Like, what can we do? And he was like, this is really great. And he was like, you're now the military minister. I mean, it was, it was that, it was, it was that quick. And, and that's a lot of maturity yeah. on his part, right? Exactly. To be able to see that and have the vision to go, okay, I don't have the market cornered on every spiritual gift. Yeah. I don't have the market cornered on access to every place in my community. And uh, your job is to equip other believers. Yeah. Sometimes that's just giving them permission to go and do the right thing. Yeah. Um, you know, do, do they need probably... Uh, accountability yes mm. do they if especially if they're if you're a pastor and you're saying you can go do this in the ministry of you know you fill in the blank baptist church yeah. or whatever it may be uh hopefully they're being held accountable for how mm. they're leading the ministry making sure they're mature they're wise they're able to handle it right um uh you know that's that's something that you're remembering that you can you're you're not going to be uh i, I would say the the ceiling on your ministry as a local church uh, it's going to be uh, essentially uh, how much you handicap your pastor uh, 
hmm. from doing the two things that the uh, apostles were commissioned to do in the book of Acts chapter six, which is uh, they were to lead from prayer and minister of the word. Yeah. Right. So if you hinder the ministry of prayer and hinder the ministry of the word for the pastor, that's, that's the ceiling on your, your, your church uh, mm-hmm. growth right there. Uh, and not that it just is all about like church growth, right? It's mm-hmm. a, it's not a very actually prag- There's a lot of other pragmatic ways to grow your church. Um, you know, uh, slip and slide baptism, stuff like that, you know, it's just shenanigans that people do, um, that are, will pragmatically, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've seen churches that'll do like a, Hey, we got a helicopter. It's going to drop a hundred thousand Easter eggs on the kids at Easter. Yeah, that'll get some people to show up. Mm. Well, give them the gospel. I don't know. <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, I What's but in the place? <laughs> I have some I have some my reservations. But yeah, the the New Testament has told us that the apostles reserved that work mm. of the ministry and the prioritize the prayer ministry mm-hmm. of prayer ministry of the word, and uh, so they weren't able to go serve tables. Right? And yeah, here is the birth of deacons, right? Um, to to go and do that work, right? Mm. So there's a deacon type ministry to military members Mm -hmm. that's you know uh, white for the harvest there right and it's equipping the saints for the work of the ministry right so the work of the ministry isn't necessarily on you all the time no and and that's something we you know the reformation tried to fix right and a lot of people's thought was you know ministry is everything you do not just you know that's why it was called the huguenot or calvinist work ethic Mm -hmm. and i was like my work is ministry and you know if and you're in a church and someone comes like that pastor Mike, I mean, that was just his, his MO with me. I'd be like, I have a great idea. It's like, great. I have a great, I have a great person to execute. With you. You know what I mean? But it was, it was great because he didn't, he knew my heart after meeting with me, talking with me and he knew there was a passion for the ministry. So he was like, I'm not, why would I get in your way? Right. right. But it, but you also, like you said, giving that permission as people need, it's like, Hey, it's his church. This is the way people think. Right. Right. You know, it isn't his church. It's Christ's church. But at the same time, it's like, he is the leader of that church. Right. I need his blessing to go do something. But a wise pastor, in my opinion, will just say, you know, this is an awesome idea. And I have an awesome person to execute it. You, you know what yeah. I mean? And so give them the resources. It wasn't like he just let me hang out the dry. He was just like, I'll get you the resources you need, but you're the one who's going to run this effort since it's your idea. You're going to do it and I'll give you guidance as we go along. But, you know, Hey, this is what God obviously wants you to do. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to quickly talk about the future of Godly Grunts podcast. And we're going to let this one go. And so the future is you. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Don't yeah. have the market. Yeah. Corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, we're, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of reshape the way this ministry this media ministry. I, I don't and I, I think I've said this before on here, like this isn't my like this is no one's main thing, right? Like even if you're a pastor on a podcast, your main thing is to be a pastor, right? Mm-hmm. This is kind of something that I enjoy doing because I'm learning and I hope that people listening are learning as well. Um either learning the wrong thing <laughs> because I'm an idiot or uh you know in fixing it themselves or learning what what the lord would have them learn and uh and so we're going to you're going to become the other host and we're going to co-host this thing because just talking into a microphone is probably the most boring thing that's ever happened and so, <laughs> alone right and i and i enjoy the study i i i love studying you know the word of god especially the word of god as it applies to combat and how Christians can take lessons that we've learned from combat and apply it to their lives in their spiritual combat. And so, um, hence our tagline, you know, training soldiers to be better Christians and Christians to be better soldiers. Like these two things, they they go together, but sometimes we don't know exactly how. It's a room to airmen in there. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Teaching Christians to be better airmen. I don't know if that's uh, like... <laughs> And so Listen, if, if if those people that are saying the rapture is coming are right, we'll all be airmen someday. And so uh so we're gonna record uh once a month. And if it breaks into multiple uh podcasts of like 45 minutes or or more, um then that that's kind of how it's it's gonna work. And so yeah, I'm I'm excited because I don't like just talking to a microphone or looking at myself on the because the video comes with recording as well so it's like 
I'm just looking at myself. Talk. Well, I'm encouraged really about weird. your mental state as a yeah. chaplain. <laughs> uh, hearing that, <laughs> be really concerned. <laughs> the man on the screen, he backs me. <laughs> so, I mean, do you have any yeah. like thoughts on that, or just no? I'm I'm excited about it. I think what you said is r- really true, right? Obviously, this is not you know you know my main thing. The mm. grass God's given me to cut right now is yeah. being uh, best chaplain I can be for the nine fourteenth mm. era fueling wing. Uh, uh, actually, even more important than that is being a, a husband to Lindsay yeah. and, and father to Mercy, uh, Jojo, Lily, and Titus. So that's uh, you know the most important thing for me. But then I love getting to do this. I love getting to, to uh, you know write, study, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that I feel like I I learn and I grow the most when I'm actually doing study yep. and trying to produce content. And so I enjoy doing that. And so um, you know I, I've done some podcasts and stuff before with Prayer in the Word podcast, and then uh, I do a blog matthewcbryant.com and uh, blog, uh, blog there uh, semi regularly. Did you do that to help yourself? Like, what is my blog called? What's my name? You know, <laughs> I got that from my brother, uh, who in good wisdom, Mitchell, my brother, mm-hmm. he said, you know, I wouldn't name it this in case mm-hmm. your interests change because like uh, your interests may change sense. in like yeah. a decade. You may be writing a lot on, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of study and wrote a book on Andrew Fuller and, mm-hmm. and uh, his theology of prayer. But he's like, you know, if you do it on that, let's say in a decade, your interests change. And you want to write more to on something else. To <laughs> and say, hey, what are you going to do? So um, so the podcast yeah. that, uh, I've done, and, and uh, we'll probably drop the audio on this yeah. onto that as well, is uh, Prayer in the Word podcast. And mm. that's something that's so for me as a as such a broad, uh, you know, uh, vision to cast. And that's why, I'm, you know, even sharing that on, on the Act 6-4 priority of ministry, that's such a passion I have. I think God's given me a passion for life on that. Mm-hmm. Something I caught from uh, mentors in my life, mostly Daniel Henderson, uh, who leads Strategic Renewal and the Act 6-4 Fellowship uh, for pastors. You know, that uh, is is such an emphasis in my life uh, and something that I, uh, I don't think I'm going to grow weary of, mm-hmm. of uh contributing to but uh that matthewcbryant.com was more out of just trying to listening to mitchell's mm-hmm. wisdom there if like you know your interest may change over time so if you name your That's your smart. your your blog this you you might mm. find yourself saying how can i reinvent this with a different uh, url yeah and uh and so i just went with that and so then see i see the reason i thought immediately about that is because i'm a dumb grunt i'm done <laughs> Like what? I how can I remember the name if it's not on a tape on my uniform? I can't remember what. Uh... So, and and the, the website was actually probably more of a platform to try and help uh, share more about uh, the book. I wrote mm-hmm. a book on how to pray. It's a short little devotional book, and then uh, also doing uh, was able to fortunately uh, get uh, my book on Andrew Fuller published mm-hmm. um, through a Baptist History Monograph uh, series, and so you know, wanted to be able to have a platform to be able to share about that and mm-hmm. uh, to be able to share some things about that. And, and I just love getting, like I said, I, I feel like I learned by writing. Yeah. Same. Uh, and so get, having an avenue to be able to write and uh, very excited about this because uh, it's an answer to prayer for me, you know, moving here two years ago, kind of paused on all that mm-hmm. and uh, you know, praying for uh, one godly brothers in Christ to grow with. And so super excited about that because I think through the podcast here, uh, I'm going to grow because uh, mm-hmm. it's going to force me to be studying the word. It's going to force me into asking questions of the text, right? Which yeah. is what leads to good Bible study. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you just keep reading the Bible and you're not asking questions of the text, mm-hmm. uh, you don't get answers, right? If you're not a- asking, you're not getting anything. Out, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like asking intentional questions of the text, um, particularly as it relates to, you know, uh, war fighting, war fighters, and how to, you know, what does that look like? Very excited about that as a chaplain, obviously, because those are questions I get in the yeah. counseling uh, office all the time. And so uh, looking forward to be able to contribute in that sense, uh, bringing the non-combatant mm. experience <laughs> of the chaplain to bear. Yeah. It. So, yeah. yeah. And so we're going to, the next few recordings are going to be about wisdom for the warfighter. And it's going to be about um, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and what the, 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 lessons in there and how they relate to uh combat and so some things are the same as as normal life right like you know don't sleep with the adulterous woman like that's that's not just advice for soldiers though it needs though that should be a billboard in Fayetteville (laughs) yeah yeah in Fayetteville or 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 anywhere else where you you may be training it sometimes a little bit more uh the the opportunity 
uh, to sin can sometimes be uh, more prevalent when you're away from home, right? Yeah. Uh, anyone who's ever done any kind of, I mean, why do you think there's a, why is there a problem of adultery uh, in the airline industry, right? Uh, you're away from home a lot. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the opportunity is there uh, mm. to pass by the adulterous woman's house all yeah, the time. Exactly. And so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to go through that. Then there's obviously, you know, other lessons that are more specific to the warfighter and fighting war. And so we're going to look at um, those in the next times we get together and, uh, and just go through that. You know, what does it look like to be a wise warfighter? Uh, what does it look like to be a godly grunt? And so um, we're going to go through that. Or airman. Or airman. Yeah. yeah. Just... Or, uh, you know, don't be an I atheist. Guess. Don't be an atheist airman. Be a godly grunt. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We may have just found the new tag. <laughs> um no and so if, if you uh want to support this ministry you can donate to the Niagara gospel mission where we have a veteran shelter where we house uh homeless veterans there and so um we you know that's obviously i, I oversee that entire program so that's something that's a passion of mine uh is if you guys would love to support that we'll put the link in the show notes our website here that hasn't been updated in a very long time is the godly grunts 116.wixsite.com slash my dash site. So money to I might need to work on shortening that. Everyone, everyone I <laughs> interviews me, they always say, like, you need to work on like a shorter website. Now. Shorter website. I'm like, yeah, but shorter website comes with money. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one is my favorite price range, which is F R E E. If you'd uh, like to find us on social media, we're at the godly grunts um, on the Instagrams and Facebook. And this podcast is affiliated with the Fide fellowship of podcasts, which is a reform podcasting network seeds of faith. And so anything to add before we sign off? No, thanks for, for having me. And I'm looking forward to the future as am I. And so, as we always say here, As you go out about your month, climb for his glory.